Hi, welcome to This Property Life. My name is Mark Winship, and this week I'm joined by Jordan Kynock in another one of our Problem Solved episodes. Over the next 40 minutes or so, myself and Jordan are going to attempt to crack the problem of how to keep a refurb project on budget. There are lots of really useful nuggets in this episode, practical steps that you can take, learning from our experience and even some of the mistakes that we've made in the past to make sure that you have your finger well and truly on the pulse of your project when it comes to managing the budget. We talk about what processes to put in place with your builder to make sure that they are accountable to working to your budget, how to save money and manage the issue of rising material prices, and what to do if you feel that your budget is spiraling out of control. We have lots to cover, so let's get going. Hey Jordan, how are you doing? Good to see you. Very well, thank you. Very well. Used to. Hey, how are yes, you? Yeah. yeah, all right. Yeah, are you uh, where are you? Are you up in sunny Scotland? I am for a change it is actually brighter. It's maybe not sunny, but it's blue skies. <laughs> um yeah, up in Scotland, just in, in the house of my home office. So getting a bit Excellent. of work done as we can. Excellent. And you were just telling me I, I think we should probably share while 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 I've got you, there's you've got an exciting little deal you're working on this week. Correct, yes. So um just before Christmas, managed to get a negotiated a deal over the line. So buying a small portfolio. So I'm buying it actually this Friday. So that's uh, all kind of gearing up to that. Um, so prop portfolio is four three-bedroom flats with a commercial unit below. So a basement commercial unit, which used to be an old carpet showroom. Okay. And also got uh, car parking spaces as well adjoined. So... Nice, awesome. basically six titles that I'm uh, purchasing in this portfolio. So keeps me keeps it busy for the yeah. start of the year. And I'd imagine everything we're going to talk about in this episode is 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 very relevant to you right now. You're going to be uh, you're going to be right in the thick of another refurb then pretty soon, by the sounds of it. Yeah, that is true. It's going to be yeah. There's quite a lot of work being done to this whole whole project with all five of the six uh, titles yeah. that we're buying. So plenty plenty get my whole my hands cool. filled with however i won't be the one doing all the works that's the yeah, problem i'll be leaving to my builders to do that excellent so so yeah so this is a a problem solved episode um and I, and i think we're probably tackling well i know we're tackling a subject that is a pretty hot topic for a lot of people when they start out in property investment um most of us came into this without a, you know a background in construction or uh, or anything like that so so this idea of um working with the build team pricing out a refurbishment and most importantly making sure that that refurbishment comes in on budget um is you know is a big piece of the puzzle um for a lot of people so we're going to be tackling that this morning and we're going to be talking about some tips and tricks around how to keep things on track how to make sure that you're budgeting in the right way and 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 you're keeping you know you're keeping everything where it needs to be but before we even get into that i think you know in the spirit of this podcast which is warts and all fess up time i can certainly hold my hands up and say that it's not always a perfect world you know i have definitely run over budget more than once um on a project um, I don't know about you, Jordan. I don't know if you've had the same thing. You're you're pretty pretty onto these things, but have you had that happen to you? Yeah, definitely. There's been it's, it might not have been drastic amounts in yeah. tens of thousands of pounds per se, but in the grand scheme of things, for the size of the project, 
there has been moments that we might have had to change um, change the plan that we had for a kitchen because it wasn't actually available. We had to still get the project over the line. So we up-spec'd, paid a little bit more money, or many a time that we've I've gone and done my costings for a project, planned for it to be a rough um, or like a partial rewire. Yeah. When the Sparky was then doing the lights, he almost blew himself off the ladder because they were on the old wiring. So we had to yeah. then do a full rewire, which cost three times as much as what the first budget yeah. was. So yeah, there's definitely been overspec on or overspend on projects, but it's yeah. more necessity and rather yeah. than actually just me getting carried away with putting certain tiles in or certain um, yeah. bathroom suites and uh, furniture like that Getting carried away yeah definitely and it's I, th- I think it sounds like we're stating the obvious but it might be worth us just like talking briefly about the implications of doing that like why is it important that we really keep on to these refurbs and that, that we really make sure that everything stays on track apart from the obvious which is you know you might end up having to spend money you don't have um but you know it really the two main things for me are the roi of the deal potentially gets impacted doesn't it particularly like you say if you're coming out of a we'd always advise you set a contingency and we'll probably we'll probably talk about that in a moment but if you're going above and beyond that you know you're going to start to reduce the return on investment because obviously the rental at the back end is unlikely to have changed um and so your your cash flow is sorry your roi is going to reduce and also for those people that are funding deals through private investment it may involve leaving angel investment money in for a little bit longer than you would have liked to um so for me they're the the sort of the reasons why i want to keep a real firm handle on these things i guess definitely i would i would totally agree it's um it's very well we do all our calculations to make sure the numbers fit perfectly to make the deal work for us again it's all about the bottom line for in my business i need to make sure it is fitting to make the deal work for the amount of money I'm borrowing, the time skills I'm borrowing it for, because um, I've got a set limit on how much I want as a return on investment. I'm never yeah. ever going to deviate past that lowest percentage yeah. because it's just not worth it for me in the business sense. Yeah. So yeah, a slight change up can actually lead to a detrimental, maybe six yeah. months longer having your money left in the deal, which isn't particularly even your money. It could be an investor's money. Yeah. And then that just then starts to have put a lot more pressure on yourself. So yeah. trying to make life as simple and as easy as possible yeah. is probably the best name of the game. And there are ways we can deal with those things, aren't it? It's just not the end of the world. Um, we won't go into that in this episode, but it's the more you can avoid being in that situation and make sure you've got a grasp of the of the budget and making sure that things stay on track, the the better. And I think also it's about it's about setting the right habits and the right processes on those those first few deals that you do that might be smaller projects and might be you know just a small buy to let but if you sort of if if you allow a budget on a buy to let to creep by 20% or something like that you know it's not necessarily going to break the bank it's not earth shattering amounts of money but if you get into that habit and you start to move up to bigger deals and you're doing deals that are you know hundreds of thousands or, 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 you know, really, really significant conversions and developments, and you've got into a habit of allowing projects to creep by whatever it might be, suddenly the actual value of that creep is quite eye-watering because um, it's all relative, isn't it, at the end of the day? So I think this is yeah. about habits, isn't it, and making sure we've got the right processes in place. 100%, yeah. Make Use the team that you have around you. Again, I'm not a 
skilled builder. I, I can hang a radiator. I can put plasterboard up. I've had my hands dirty in the past, as yeah. we all have in yeah. many times of need. Um, yeah, able to do whatever needs on the building site. However, there's no reason for me to do it, so may as well use the team yeah. around me and make sure it's done properly, professionally, without having those yeah. mistakes covered. Yeah. Um, and then, not, like I said, go down that slippery path when you're having to put your hand in your pocket a lot more times than needed. Yeah. So do the work once rather than have to do yeah. do the work once at a certain cost rather than having to pay yeah. double and do the work twice. twice. Yeah, absolutely. So that that raises a really interesting question, actually, which is and I was thinking about this before jumping on on the call with you. How how much do you put <clears throat> complete faith into your builder and your and your build team and trust their their budget, their their quote and their budget? Versus how much do you actually try to really understand the construction side of things and the costs involved so that you're able to unpick it a little bit yourself? What, how, how do you approach that? Uh, good question, actually. And I try and have enough understanding that I can give good constructive feedback or uh, a good point raised in the project because we all, we're all humans. We can all make certain mistakes at times. Yeah. And there might be a build that might have double uh, put double sockets in and not needed to yeah. or had yeah. priced up a double uh, rewire when it wasn't required or more windows yeah. than, than needed so I definitely like to be I, I need to know the I, I like to do more than just the basics I like to have at least a good understanding of the project from the construction or the refurb side of it um, yeah. I've depending on the time scale of how long I've used the builder for so when I first yeah. start with a builder for even find them I never ever once promise them that they're going to have five or 10 jobs because mm. they're only as good as their last project that they've done. Yeah. So I kind of keep them on their toes and not in a aggressive way or anything, but just mm. give them that incentive to say that this is what I'm doing in my business. I'm going to continuously buying, yeah. but you're only as good as your last project. So if you deliver well on this project, I'll then consider giving you the next project. I'll never promise them it because yeah. It's just one of those risky factors that they will potentially slack over time knowing we've got another two or three projects to go so we can kind of yeah. cut some corners here to get yeah. to the next stage, get to the next one. So um, at the very beginning, it's very much a, I'll pick them if I get a good relationship with them. So even from finding builders from the first project, I won't specifically... Um, pick the cheapest person or I won't pick the most expensive I'll pick the person who I know I can build that relationship with someone yeah. that I can trust and have that um honesty so I normally look for smaller one to two man bands I don't yeah. like picking a big firm yeah two reasons for that is first of all I'm dealing with one individual so I've got yeah. a project manager they might not be a specific builder so for instance my one of my head builders he's a joiner by trade there's another head builder in one of my other investment areas, he's a plasterer by trade. Yeah. There's another one who's a decorator by trade. Yeah. But they are the main contacts that I only speak to. Yeah. And then they deal with all the subcontractors. So yeah. I'm not having to pay for offices, for staff mm. members, for loads of different vans. I like yeah. having that smaller smaller yeah. team and then they can bring people in and out uh, as they see fit. Yeah, yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. So what's the first step then? So practical advice for people. So you, you've got a property you're looking at, maybe you've had an offer accepted. Um, 
but you just want to firm up your numbers. You want to you want to really make sure that you understand what this project is going to cost you. So what's what's the first step? Because you know having a, a builder go around and and stick his finger in the air and go, yeah, I think that's going to be about 15K. And you go, okay, great, let's crack on with it. That's not going to cut it, is it? So what process do you follow? So if we're, I'll do it in both ways. I'll do it from when I first began as a first newbie investor back at 23, seven odd years ago. I know my face doesn't show seven years of (laughs) has developed. But yeah, from back then when I very first began, I didn't really know much about um, the trade side of things so I um, first of all did enough research on just even B&Q, Screwfix, Homebase just to see general costs of how much things would be so how much is a toilet, how much is a bathroom uh, sink, how much is it for a new fridge freezer, Yeah, those sorts of things and I was just trying to get a general baseline knowing that those awareness basically yes and it's knowing that those kind of companies are going to be higher end than the rest because they are a big firm being q yeah. they're going to be more expensive than going to a local trades yeah but it was more just having that baseline understanding um and then i managed to decide well when i first started i got quotes from builders again i would always get quotes not just estimates yeah and i'd get them to give me the quote but i would physically always ask them to break down the quote for me yeah so and it's not to um find out how much they're going to get out of the project because yeah. i tell if, and i at the very beginning i told every builder i'm expecting you to make money here if you're not then there would be a concern yeah. i'd be worrying yeah. wondering what it is you're doing yeah, yeah so i'm expecting them to make a profit and yeah. i tell them it's not i'm not trying to catch out on that yeah, yeah. i'm just trying to find out how much it is for a kitchen yeah. how much it is for you pricing yeah. up a three-bedroom electrics and decorating and carpeting yeah. so yeah. i'm almost creating my own refurb cost sheet yeah and it's specific and because i invest in multiple areas around the country in scotland and england prices are very different from location to location so Mm -hmm. i'm making sure that i've got a kind of a refurb cost sheet in every location i invest in okay so when i'm going around the properties i've then got my spec sheet that i can see right we need two windows in this room and i can mark that off we need there's six rooms and we need carpet in all six. I'm going to price that. So yeah. that's kind of how I first began, just yeah. to kind of get a general basis of how much things are going to be from a builder quoting yeah. and then also just general basis online. Yeah. Um, but today and now, I'm because I've been doing this for a bit of time now, um, feels like quite a lifetime over <laughs> the years from, from investing, picked up a yeah. few gray hairs more than I was expecting. <laughs> But um, I show it as uh, learnings, so it's not yeah. too bad. But I I physically go around, and because I kind of know my numbers, I've done enough projects in my seven years to build the portfolio that I kind of know how much a two-bedroom flat is going to cost, a yeah. three-bedroom terrace house is going to cost for the yeah. strategy that I'm doing, if it is yeah. a buy-to-let, if it's an HMO, if it's a flip. But I'm basically walking around the property with my phone and on my notes tab, I'm physically going room to room and I'm just writing down what needs done, what I'm observing, yeah. new radiators, new carpet, and I'm breaking it room by room. Yeah. And then I'm taking pictures. So I'm taking a picture from each side of the room in a wide lens angle. And then after I've finished, I then leave the property. When I sit in the car, I then send my notes and then the pictures to my builder. And yeah. I say to him, this is a property I've got. 
I've, this is the pricing I'm going to come up with, but can you just price it for me as well? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. to see if we're on the same path. And yeah. it's it's funny, again, as you'll know yourself, the amount of times we've had to price up jobs, even if it's projects that we don't even get, yeah. I've, I've lost. If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. on how many refurb mm. spreadsheets I've had to create for each yeah. project yeah and it's gone to a point where I'm within a couple hundred quid of my builder's quote yeah. because I know, first of all I know how much it will cost because he's giving me yeah. the rough figures but also just from my own knowledge and understanding of what yeah. is required yeah. for that property now yeah and it's that's the advantage of being strategic, isn't it? With the way that you invest, that you 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 get to know your area, your projects, your your it, it, it's a cookie cutter, isn't it? So so you, yeah. you you get to know your strategy in that level of detail that yeah you know you understand what what's likely to be involved. So so you're going to get the builder to quote. They'll then the next part of that process is they'll produce a full schedule of works, presumably. So that's yeah. A little bit more time phased, isn't it? Effectively, so showing what's going to happen when during the process. Yeah, so I would they would only normally produce that when the deal has been physically accepted. Yeah. Um, and yeah, well, as well, one thing I I've done and I do is it's more so what I have now rather than when I first began, yeah. is I've actually created a spec sheet. So for each property, I've got a certain paint color. As you mentioned, it's a cookie cutter approach. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a certain paint color I always use. I've got a certain kitchen, I've got certain yeah. bathroom tiles, bathroom suite, <clears throat> et cetera, that I use yeah. on every, on majority of my properties. Yeah, yeah. So I've physically created a spec sheet that I have written out and it has developed and um, changed over time from project yeah. to project with little tweaks. But I have created that and then I send that to my builder as well or builders, whoever is doing the project to make them aware of what I'm wanting. So yeah. even down to the finest detail of which feature wall I want this color painted on. And I've even mm -hmm. written out the paint color codes. So yeah. it's a fire alarm ball paint, but I'm getting it mixed at Johnston's because it is yeah. one tenth the price. So, yeah. um, so <clears throat> explaining those codes, explaining the code for what Howden's kitchen, even the, the, um, splashback or the cooker what we're using so I've yeah. I've kind of got this model mock-up yeah, of yeah. the project and I send yeah. it to them and they know what yeah. it is I'm looking for yeah. even it comes down to I want three sockets in this yeah. room but yeah. again for from your strategy with doing the service accommodation and for my stuff with specific HMOs that I've done or yeah. multi-lets certain rooms that we're buying or we're 
certain properties we're buying, there's certain rooms that can only fit furniture in one way. Yeah. There's no there's no possibility of a bed going on the opposite wall because then it wouldn't yeah. fit in the wardrobe and then the yeah. door wouldn't open properly. So yeah. I've had to go into a few properties before, and this is probably some of the problem solving stuff that we're going to touch on yeah. in a bit more detail. But I've had to go into a property and I've physically drawn out a sketch map on my yeah. spec sheet of where I want the socket, the TV, yeah. um, I-10i. Yeah, and where the radiators are going because I know the furniture. Because if I've had builders and plumbers go into projects and they've just put it anywhere because they just need to fit a radiator yeah. somewhere, yeah, yeah. But that radiator is exactly where the headboard of the bed's going to yeah. be, yeah, and the bed can't fit anywhere else. So yeah. I've had to go in and physically tell them, yeah, no, look at the spec sheet. Yeah. I know it was someone's prop fault, not mine, mm. because I supplied that, yeah, it then just wasn't passed on. So yeah, they had to come in and recorrect, yeah, the, the mistakes they had made. And I think my experience of that has been the earlier you can do that in the process, the better, because you you sort of, when you're not from a construction background, you don't necessarily appreciate the knock-on effect that some of those decisions make. So like literally something as simple as where, where you're going to put the bed, well, that affects the first fix electrics because they need to know where to put the sockets to be either side of the bed. And it has a knock-on effect, doesn't it, all the way through. So I think, yeah, having a walk around with the builder and just getting really clear on the spec and the layout and exactly what you're looking for. Although it's a, a cookie cutter to a degree in terms of what you're going to use, how you're going to, how you're going to arrange it is, yeah, is something you want to try and cover that off pretty early yeah. on. Right? And that's, as you said, it's, it's doing the walk around. It's mm. again, on bigger projects that I've done, I'll go, as soon as I've bought the property, I'll then go with the builder. We've both done a spec sheet. We've both got a quote and then we're going to run around to see what our um we're gonna see what our costings is and, and break yeah. it down to the actual step by step of each room by room yeah. so at least we're both on the same page and i actually on the spec sheet i'll then get my builder to sign the spec sheet to say we've completed this okay. and, the date, and then i yeah. do it as well so yeah again he's got i've got my my coverage to know yeah. if there is a mistake that's, a good, that's a good tip. I'm going to steal that one. <laughs> there <laughs> are times when you go, I, I haven't seen that. You go, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, paperwork is key yeah. and everything. So I'll, and yeah, it yeah. might seem very, very eccentric, even if it's a small two-bedroom flat and the cut on the reefer is going to cost 10 or 12,000 pounds. But yeah. it still comes down to the same fact yeah. of who's the one responsible or liable for if something yeah. has not happened correctly. And I know it's not me, so it just allows yeah. you to be a bit more safe. But yeah, I'll definitely walk around with the builders and, and yeah. physically, and they'll draw on the walls to say, socket is here, yeah. uh, radiator goes here, light switch goes there. So it's yeah. it's quite viable at the yeah. at that stage. So, one, so once we've done that, so we've had the quote, we, we, we've secured the property, so it's now worth the time and effort for the builder to actually put a schedule of works together. So they've done that, we've agreed it. Um, is that now a a fixed budget that it now is the responsibility for the builder to bring that in at that level? And if they don't, tough. Or is there, or, or are you working with them on that front? What how do you what arrangement do you have with your builders? I normally have what the quote has been given. Then that is us. I'll always have contingency in plan yeah. within that quote. So I'm normally looking at ten percent off of the. Yeah full price yeah for any bits and pieces which might have just costed more but yeah if there's 
the, more than most they stick to that budget because they, they realize numbers are tight and it mm. has to be done yeah um there has been a couple of occasions like i mentioned of the we did the electrics and there wasn't actually a partial rewire i needed a full rewire yeah. so that's something which it's out of their control we both looked at it both agreeing partial until we get right into the yeah. nit and gritty of it it's yeah. hard to tell yeah so yeah certain things can have a bit of flexibility and, and mm. we both agree on that but it's a case of not taking the piss almost with yeah. the they've given me one thing and then prices go up and up and up yeah, yeah. yes materials have changed over time they're getting more expensive well that's why i was that's kind of why i asked yeah because I, I know a lot of people will be thinking that as they're listening is you know how are we the hearing a lot in the mainstream media about materials prices going up and um how how are we dealing with that because i've certainly and i can i can see this from the builder's point of view that it, it's 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 harder than, than than it ever was really to to ask a builder to commit to a fixed price just because they don't know what the landscape is going to look like week on week so that doesn't necessarily help us as investors but at the same time it's it's quite difficult isn't it to ask them to to commit and suddenly you know the the materials costs go up by 20 percent and you know potentially it jeopardizes the whole job for them so th there's got to be a bit of working with each other i guess hasn't there on that one yeah there is a bit of wiggle room again because it's something that's kind of out of their control if if they're showing you the evidence and saying right materials have gone up this is the price that i'm getting quoted for yeah. by the merchants then yeah. you can see that fair yeah. enough not a problem we can we can yeah. move on that but it's more yeah. some builders will think right i can still get it dirt price but yeah. I'm going to chuck yeah. on an extra yeah, 10 on top. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's being smart and savvy with your builder again. That's why I, I pick one that I know I can have a relationship with and a frank conversation with yeah. and tell them, right, I need to know the nuts and bolts of what's happening yeah. or what the cost is. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, the, the, the materials-wise, because they've given me a quote and it is so close to actually the project starting, yeah. then they can those certain materials like timber for example then they can buy it yeah and they, can, they know Lock how much they technically need for yeah. creating four new ensuite bathrooms with all yeah. the wood so it's something that can be worked but like i said if there's a drastic change from week to week of yeah. material costs then yeah. sure but that's again why we've got a contingency in place yeah but that that is something that we're doing is actually trying to be even more organized than you might be normally in terms of looking ahead at what materials you're going to need to source and just think actually if we can order those and lock those prices in or you know even have them on a trade account so that you know you've secured them but you've got whatever 30 days to to pay that account it, it could potentially make make a big difference i know that can have implications for the cash flow of the job that you're potentially front loading a lot of your materials cost but you will save in the long run assuming yeah. that materials continue to rise definitely and there's and there's some good really good uh, websites or firms that you can use for getting materials so yeah. we had we had a conversation before yeah. we came on this of um there's one lmpg which yeah. majority of landlords know about yeah. um for gaining a lot of lower cost materials it's still the yeah. same quality but it's yeah. just at a discount price because they buy in such big bulk and they can sell yeah. them for cheaper. Yeah. Um, so LNPG is one of those firms. But yeah. however, I personally haven't used LNPG to yeah. date. And yeah, yeah. you were saying the same thing. 
No, I've, I've had an, an account in sat in reserve for a while, but I've not actually. But to be fair, I think if I was if I was doing a, a you know where where margins are so so tight on 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 buy to lets, for example, I think if I were doing a buy to let refurb again, I would look seriously at that because you know just those little bits that you can shave off here and there can can make a, a significant difference, can't they, to a project like that? Definitely, and you, that they might allow you to have a bit bigger budget to pay. Instead of having just a average paint, it might get a really good paint, which actually yeah. changes the whole dynamic of the property for cutting yeah. in the lines, etc. So, yeah, yeah LNPG, it was one of those things that it could help massively in the cost, but I personally haven't done it myself, as, yeah. as you haven't either, because yeah. it's more just the time factor of yeah. actually doing all the purchasing, having yeah. to know every fine detail, or even yeah. if it's larger products, if it's the kitchen, the boiler, the radiators, tiles, yeah um i've just i've just always again I like to, in my business i like to do as little as possible in uh in using professionals to do the majority of the yeah. work that yeah pay the people well who do those types of jobs so yeah. the stuff that i do well i focus yeah. on that and i smash it out but yeah. the stuff for building materials then i can yeah. leave it to my builder so i'll yeah. just let them take control of that yeah. and yes it might cost me a tiny bit more in fraction but yeah. the time saved is allowing me to do something else in my business which is more valuable to me yeah, so exactly. um it is that balance but there's there's so many options there trade yeah. accounts there's yeah. different manufacturers if even if you're looking overseas there's a yeah. good friend of ours um asad who has gets windows from overseas yeah. because they're a lot cheaper and by the time you buy the windows transfer them across they're still cheaper than what you'd be getting yeah. them locally yeah. so yeah. looking just different avenues can be very beneficial and the other reason of course that shaving every little bit of cost off whether it's materials or, or the refurb in general why that might be important particularly in the current market is that um you know it's a very competitive buying market so sometimes you know we might have to be offering you know a thousand pounds or fifteen hundred pounds slightly more than we would ideally like to pay just in order to secure the property and so my take on that is that I don't want to just blow my ROI out of the water having said that I'm not necessarily going to walk away from an asset that hopefully I will be generating income for me for life just for the sake of a thousand pounds or fifteen hundred pounds so what I'll then do is go back to my refurb and see if I can gain it back that way is there anywhere i can just shave small amounts of money to make up for the fact that i had to pay slightly more than i would have liked just to secure the property in the first place so it's balancing yeah. the two isn't it yeah 100 percent, definitely i totally agree on that yeah so how do you know then if the, i i found this challenging at times i think particularly in you know with with some of the bigger projects and like the hmos you're doing and we've got hotel development going on at the moment how do you know how do you know and what role do you play monitoring progress and how do you know if it's on track in relation to the budget? Because it's not easy, is it, when we don't we don't necessarily understand construction. Mm -hmm. It's much easier for me towards the end once the basic shape's there and I can look at it and go, yeah, that's not going to be done in time, is it? Or, you know, whereas actually midway through when it's a skeleton, you're going, you could kind of tell me whatever you like here because I wouldn't know whether you've got to the point you expect to be at or or not so yeah. how do you monitor do you monitor your projects are you because i think you have whatsapp groups and stuff don't you with your with your building yeah so it's uh it's, it depends on the size of the project to be honest and and i'm yeah. very much that like you have 
when it gets yeah. to that if it's at a skeleton stage or it's at further in line then we yeah. come into our own a bit more yeah so during smaller projects or during any single project i'll set up a whatsapp group and i'll yeah. have that with my head builder but i'll also include all the trades that are involved in the project yeah so it means that first of all i've got a file on my whatsapp that has yeah the before pictures, the during pictures, after pictures, any conversation we've had. So I don't need to swipe through loads of different yeah. conversations or emails. It's all in yeah. one base. Yeah. Um, and secondly, I have all the, the other trades involved in that same WhatsApp group because yeah. it means that I don't have to micromanage everyone exactly. or neither yeah. does my built my head builder. Yeah. If the painter or if it's the Sparky says, right, we're, we're finishing up this week at the end yeah. of friday for this yeah. that means plastering can now come in and do what they yeah. need to do yeah. so it means that they're kind of taking control and onus of their own yeah. projects and then if there's a problem then they know how that yeah. they can move time around if they need to come in the week after to start yeah. because there's a delay so yeah. i've always done it as small at whatsapp groups and it just means everything is con controlled in that one base but i'll nowadays i don't really micromanage any projects yeah. because i've got so much trust in all my build teams yeah. again i've used them a number of times now which yeah. means like with one builder he's into his 11th project now with me yeah. another one's into his fourth another one's into their sixth so it's yeah. i've used i've actually built a good relationship up so yeah. they know exactly what i expect i yeah. won't drive between an hour and 10 minutes to four hours just to basically see if wallpaper has been stripped off the wall or the kitchen's in yeah. That's yeah. what the WhatsApp group's for. So yeah. I'll get weekly updates every Friday because that's yeah. most, well, that's when the builders want paid on the yeah. Fridays. So yeah. our Fridays are normally a busy one for yeah, doing yeah. transfers of yeah. money. And I'll wait until the Friday. I'll get the pictures sent through to see whereabouts they're at. And then obviously if it's deserving of the payment. So when you mentioned about that kind of schedule of works, <clears throat> we've basically set out a plan from very beginning on how much time is needed for each thing. So granted for my smaller one or two bedroom buy to lets on a yeah. flat, it's gonna be maybe a three to four week project. It's not yeah. gonna be a, a massive time yeah. scale to, to complete, but yeah. <clears throat> I'm still wanting to see, right, we've got the the plumbers are coming because we need to pull up the floorboards to get the pipe work through. Yeah. And then got the Sparky in to do the um, uh, electrics. Then we're gonna get the plumber, um, yeah. plaster in, then we're going to get the uh, kitchen in, the painting in, and then we're going to do the carpets at the end. So we've got still got a time scale. But for my bigger, bigger stuff, then yeah, that could be a 12 to 15 yeah. week project. Yeah. And we're breaking it down to section by section or week by week. Yeah. And again, I'm leaving that to the builder to to control. Yeah. So if uh for instance, if the um first fix wasn't done for putting everything in and it wasn't hitting the point where they had agreed for that week, then they won't get paid. Yeah. So I put a very strict kind of, I'm not wanting to pay to then support other projects they're doing that they have to pay their it's build team. Yeah, yeah. They're getting paid for the work that they do in my project. So yeah. if they haven't done the work, yeah. they're not getting paid for that portion yeah, yeah. because they've not done the work that was uh, agreed yeah. upon. Yeah, yeah. So it's that's kind of how I've done it. It's, I set out very early, again, at the very bottom of that, um, of that schedule of works i'll get them to sign it and agree that yeah. they understand the concept and then yeah. i'll explain it as well so yeah. we're both cut from the same page yeah. i think 
all, all you're doing there is uh, is just creating a culture, isn't it? Whereby they they understand what you're looking for, they understand your model, they understand why the budget is important. It's not just you trying to get things on the cheap and you know and cut corners. This is about your your model involves quite a specific return on investment and we want to recycle the cash and move on to other deals ideally with them and and then you've you've built that sort of relationship with them where they understand what what you're looking for isn't it as you move forward so yeah um because no one likes to be micromanaged they don't you know a builder isn't going to want the investor to be breathing down their necks 24 7 when you know they're not experts in that area but at the same time it's just creating that that culture isn't it of look you know there there has to be some accountability because you know, the reality is I might be being really unfair here and I'm sure I'll get shot down for saying this, but my experience in a lot of cases with, with builders and build teams is everything's fine until it isn't. Mm-hmm. If, if that makes it everything on track. Yeah. Everything's on track. Yeah. everything's going great until you get the call saying, yeah, it's, it's, it's not on track. <laughs> so yeah. actually just checking in with them regularly and having those, those touch points, which you've created there to say, actually, are we there? Are we here? Are we here? that that helps keep everybody on the same page doesn't it yes and it's it's one of the things i've it makes our life as investors very much easier because yeah if i'm not hearing from them then it's no news is good news in my yeah. eyes sometimes yeah. because they know that if there is a problem they need to reach out to me instantly because yeah. then in my business i'm the one that problem solves that's yeah. what i i can bring to my business is the problem solving yeah. so yeah. i can look out to the box i can if someone's ill, then we can bring someone else in that I might have a contact somewhere else to do the plastering or if yeah. it needs to be the cleaner coming in. So, um, yeah, adopted that, as you said, that kind of um, everyone is there to help each other out. It's no such thing as just a one man band. We are there as a team. We're there to do the project because they know, yes, there could be another one coming down the line. And yeah. it's gotten to stages where when a pro- when a builder finished a project, even if I'm not consistently giving them work because it can be quite difficult in times if you're buying in multiple areas to give them work as soon as they finish one project they're moving on to the next yeah but when if they're working with someone else one of my builders literally calls me after any project that he's finished to say what have you got coming up what can I schedule into my diary for you because he knows more to the point because I don't get involved that much now because I leave it up to him and I trust him yeah. it actually makes the process a lot smoother because yeah. as you said no builder wants the owner or the investor to be on site 24 7 because they feel that they need to then speak to you whereas mm-hmm. all you're doing is taking them away from the job which is going to take longer and they're paying mm-hmm. the builder to basically speak to you when yeah. you'd rather make the builder do the yeah. work that they're meant to do yeah definitely do you, do you ever offer incentives or have you ever offered incentives to the builder to bring it in on budget and on time Yes, I have actually. Um, so I'll do it as a, again, that I work with that one main builder. So I'll incentivize yeah. them. If you get this project done, yeah. there's a Brucey bonus in there. If it will be yeah, yeah. 500 quid, it will be a thousand pounds, whatever it might be. Yeah. And yeah. it's then up to the builder to decide if they want to split it between the rest of the team, yeah. if that's the case, or if it's just for them because they were the one that was project yeah. managing it. But yeah. I will, I do. I do use that with a side of caution though, because a lot of builders, I don't incentivize my first builder I've used on first project because all they're going to do is cut corners and they just want to get the project done to get that extra bonus. Yeah. So it's over maybe a couple projects time. 
I'll yeah. then say to my builder, right, if you can bring this in, because it's yeah. going to happen just before Christmas, which means yeah. I can then potentially get it let for Christmas, yeah. or yeah. it's going to come through that I can then have the time skill to now refinance. Yeah. Then there'll be an incentive for you. If not, you're still going to get what you you're going to be paid anyway. Yeah. But I still want the quality of work because they might say they finished the project, but then yeah. I might go back and see all the snagging, and then I'm saying, well, yeah. you've not finished it. So it's one of those things. Make sure it's done to the standard that they expect it to be. Yeah. And then yeah. So incentives are good at times, but I would say picking the right person to give that incentive to yeah. is probably more crucial than actually giving an incentive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, makes that's sense. That's you do as well, then. Yeah, well, yeah, yes, we have done. Um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it was necessarily um, successful. Um, <laughs> it, it went over budget, um, but no, it was. It, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest, because there's an element, isn't there? You have got to get the balance right. Of well, you know, I, I'm paying you to do a job. Why are you then working? much harder just because I've offered you an incentive. Weren't you already trying to bring that job in as, as yeah. efficiently as possible? But on the flip side, I do get it is that, that you know, likely it is they've got other projects that they, they need to work on and stuff like that. So you want to just make sure that your project is a priority and is brought in on the timeline that makes sense for you. And sometimes offering a small incentive, I can see the value because you think, well, actually it's a small price to pay if it means that I can now get that property let and cash flowing um sooner rather than later otherwise i guess if you looked what's the alternative if it just drifts and drifts and drifts because you haven't created any kind of urgency at all then you that would feel like quite a vulnerable position right you, you just don't know when it's going to be ready yeah exactly and, and you want to end up there for us it's time skills is crucial for yeah. getting the refinance getting the sales yeah getting furniture in if you're furnishing yeah. the property for ordering three yeah. four six weeks in advance so yeah, yeah I, it all comes down to just those. It's almost working at the end and working backwards because yeah, exactly. time skills are such a, a vital yeah. part in our business. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. We've had to go through that mm -hmm. process many times with our service accommodation units because you, you end up with a with a small number of of dates in the diary that are quite immovable. So you need to book a professional photographer, for example. You know, you can't just shift them. Those guys are busy. You can't move them around. So that once we put that in the diary, that's relatively fixed. And you sort of work backwards from that point. Well, I need the furniture being delivered on this date. And so that creates some fairly hard deadlines um, yeah. that, that, that need to be met. But again, I guess it all comes down to communication, right? Definitely. And it's, it's one of those things, if you... As if you respect as as well as respectfulness of if you respect to the builder, you're not going to lose your your head at them. They're not going to lose your head at you. Yeah. But if you turn up on site, then they know there's going to be an issue because they yeah. don't usually see you on site. So it's one of those kind of not fear factors, but knowing okay, something isn't quite going to plan because yeah. I'm having to travel X amount of distance to come and see you and and yeah. get something sorted, yeah. or it could just be a very much a I'm here to help you. Yeah. Let's get this all for the lane and let's work together on it. Yeah, yeah. And I guess last thing, we've covered a lot of ground actually in this episode, which is great. I guess last thing, and I'm not sure if it's ever happened to you. It's not happened to me. But what advice would you have, would we have for anybody that finds themselves in a situation <laughs> where they suspect the budget is, they're losing control of it. 
what what do they do at that? What are their options in terms of their existing build team? Have you ever had to cut your losses and make some changes? You know, what what would what advice would you have for people in that situation? Because it's it's going to happen, unfortunately. Well, you hear of it happening. Yeah. So I've had it happen to me once with the not with the budget going over, but just more the the build team fell apart. This was okay. a project which I left it to a project manager. Yeah. And I found out very quickly that that project manager was next to useless. Yeah. Okay. So it kind of got to a point where I was actually on site for a month. It was one of my HMOs. Yeah. I was on site for a month, yeah. pretty much living down, yeah. um, down south yeah. and controlling this project because they were, they were next to, like I said, next to useless and not really bringing anything to the party. There was yeah. nothing. So I then took control and said, right, I'll get the team and I'll do this. You just don't actually yeah. get involved anymore because you're causing more damage than it's worth so yeah. there's yeah there there has been times we're never there to shy away and say that we've not um yeah. it's a learning for me it's something yeah. that i've i took a lot from but yeah. if you see something spiraling out of control then the number one thing is don't put your head under the covers and and yeah. bury your head in the sand and shy away yeah. from it it's yeah. take control of it you are yeah. your own business this yeah. for us or majority of us in our property ventures we are the business we are the ones that buy the property sell the property or refinance the property so yeah. you're the one that can make a change you're the one that's got yeah. the greater knowledge than anyone yeah. else you're the yeah. one percenter of the of the society so yeah. you can f find these problems but even if you don't know there's plenty of people in our network and in our surroundings and friendship groups that yeah. do know the answer so yeah. if we don't then i've i've reached out on many occasions to others who are able to look and help me like even for me traveling down south for doing yeah. a project i wasn't going to go down just to check up on something yeah. but i knew friends were already living or in the area for yeah. that period of time so i just asked them can you just do a drive-by and, and pop your head in to make sure that this yeah. is where it's need to be yeah no problem so that's, that's yeah. a really good point yeah that that i i can already i can already think of three four five times within the last week in which you know we've got fantastic community obviously at property wealth system and i've reached out to several people already this week just to say hey you know it'd be great to get your thoughts on this and vice versa people have reached out to me and say hey would you look you know just give me your thoughts on this and just just being it you're not you're not alone are you you know sometimes like you say it's easy when things are getting on top of you and budgets are going out of control and time frames and you can internalize it and you can sort of you know you just sort of try and deal with it and muddle through but actually sometimes someone will put a different spin on it and go you know what you just need to make a change there you know you yeah. just need to do something a little bit different and it really helps to have that network of people around you yeah if you keep looking at the screen you'll still see the same information if you look at a yeah. circle it's always going to be a circle yeah. whereas i could then come to yourself mark and you might see it as actually it can be a square and it can there's yeah. something that could be jiggled yeah. around so yeah. um yeah it's it's just taking control of it it's never letting it never letting the reins go too loose from your hands yeah. because you're still yeah. managing the budget making sure because it's still money coming out of your pocket or your bank yeah. account that's paying for this so mm. um just looking looking at it closely knowing you've got the systems in place but i would just say stay on top of it and it's yeah balancing juggling with work but give yourself the time the aspect you've gone into the project for reasons so you need to give yeah. it as much effort and energy as anything else absolutely
Brilliant. Jordan, thank you so much for your uh, knowledge and input and experience. I'm sure, well, I hope that we have um, well and truly solved that problem of, of, of budget, budgets going uh, going over on, on refurb projects, if only just to give people a bit of confidence if they're new to property investing, getting into it, that there is a fairly fairly simple process to follow and some some fairly practical steps that they can take to make sure that um, that things stay on, on track. So exactly. thank you so much for that. You're welcome. And then any any points or questions, then I'm more than happy for them to reach out. Again, yeah, I post loads on, and so do you with our social medias for yeah. um, our projects and our refurbs to see. That's And that's how I've learned from other people's refurbs. So yeah. more than happy for people to reach out if they do. Fab. Jordan, thank you so much. And I will speak to you soon. You're welcome, Mark. Take care. Take care. I hope there was some useful information for you in this episode, particularly if you are just starting out in the world of property, when I know that the prospect of working with a builder and managing a refurb can seem like quite a daunting one. We've all been there. If you know of anybody else that might benefit from this episode or from anything else that we've covered on the podcast, please do share the love on social media. When you like and follow the podcast, it can also help other people to discover it too. Thanks again for tuning in and I will catch you on the next episode.